Archer Sports Frenzy Alarm Clock on Saturday morning, December the 9th, 2023. Dude, you're ruining the hangover for him this week. That's my job. They need to get up, Dave. They need to get up and start functioning. Forget about the rejection last night. Forget about the 15 tequila shots. Uh, it's not my problem. It's their problem. My problem is to get them up and about. All right. Move your damn asses. Get out of bed. Fire up the coffee maker. Get those eggs and bacon frying. Let's go. It is your Saturday morning hangover cure. It is Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition with the Conquistador Dave Height. The maestro, Kevin Crane. You know how this works. Now you sit down. You get the, the caffeine going, you get the grease going, and we will get you through the rest of the weekend with our suggestions for the best in rock and roll, movies, and TV and streaming and books. Yep, it's December 9th, 2023, as you listen to this. Starting off with, we're going different ways with the music this week. Doesn't happen all the time, but... We diverge once in a while. So we have two album reviews for you. One from your Uncle Kev, one from your Uncle Dave. I am reviewing Peter Gabriel's new album, I.O. I am reviewing Beartooth's The Surface. So, I told Dave, I, number one, I knew that this wouldn't be his cup of tea. Yep, never been a and Peter now, Gabriel I have fan. No, I normally don't like doing that, and I we've talked about this where anybody says to me, oh, but you won't like it, is a challenge. But in this case, Dave and I know each other. We, we know. know each other for 30 years. If I tell him or he tells me you won't like this, I'm like, okay, I trust you. I'm moving on. Yep. So Peter Gabriel's I.O., he's been releasing a song every new moon over the entire year of 2023 so basically this entire album was released piecemeal throughout the last 12 months so now the full album is out kind of holds to the same pattern we've seen a lot this year with some of these albums where the it, you can split it into the first four songs the middle four songs and the last four songs the first four songs really good the second four songs, pretty good, okay. The last four songs, bleh. <laughs> there sorry, you go. sorry. I know you're still feeling a little nauseous. Didn't mean to do the pukey noise. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it starts off really well. I O with Panopticon, the court playing for time, and I O, and the overriding theme throughout most of the album is mortality and getting older and and trying to look back at the good moments of your life and trying to look ahead to what you've got left and making the most of it. Um, the Court, though, is a very intriguing song. It's very dark, and it almost sounds like it doesn't belong because it sounds like a thinly veiled political commentary as the chorus is always... It's very repetitive, always saying the court will rise as the pillars will fall. And it almost sounds like he's saying the justice system is overtaking the rest 
of the government. The pillars of the government will fall, but the court will rise. Or just, maybe he's just a Batman fan and is talking about the Court of Owls. I thought about that, too. <laughs> I did. I did think about the Court of Owls. I did. Like minds. And then, like I said, the second four songs, not quite as good. Still very, very solid to this point, though. If they'd stopped after the eight songs, I would have given it probably three. Three frenzies, no problem. Yeah. The last four songs are so dull and slow and boring and uninteresting. They just drag the rest of the album down. Ouch. So I can only give IO a strong two frenzies because of those last four songs. They literally cost the album a full frenzy. There you they go. Are just so bad. All right. All right. I elected to go with Beartooth because I really liked the single Riptide. Got into it, thought, all right, this could be good. So, 11 songs on The Surface. It starts off with the title track, The Surface. To me, the worst song on the album. Ooh, start off with the worst? It. They went the super heavy screaming that you so do not enjoy. <laughs> too poppy. And unfortunately, that's kind of an overriding theme on the surface is they don't know who they want to be. They don't know if they want to be the hard, heavy, or if they want to be uber poppy. And they go back and forth sometimes in the songs. It's kind of schizophrenic. So hated the surface. Of course, next one, Riptide, which I loved. That, to me, is the best song on the album. You got a lot of okays. Doubt Me is Decent. Uh, the Better Me with Hardy is pretty good. That was enjoyable. And Might Love Myself was decent. Then Sunshine, Bad. What's Killing You, Look the Other Way. What are you waiting for? My new reality and I was alive. The final three were okay. They kind of brought it back from the middle run. But overall, without a cohesive bit, I can only go one and a half. I was Ooh. really disappointed with this one. Wow. Um, sorry, kids. Yeah, I think, I think we I had better wanted, stuff coming. I but. wanted... Like I said, I liked Riptide so much. Right. And I've heard them with other bands. And I thought, all right, this could be good, but they don't know where they are yet. Maybe another album, they might find it. But I I'm so, I just could not get into this one. I tried several listens through, and it just did not work for me. All right, so stick with us because I think things will get a little better with the songs. Even though we gave you two album reviews that weren't really positive. Yeah. I think I think we got better stuff coming with the, the songs. So let... Because Kiss... This is kind of like some synergy here because yes. Kiss 
wrapped up the end of the world tour last weekend on the 2nd, December the 2nd in Madison Square Garden. Although that was bizarre if you've heard about how that ended where they brought out virtual doppelgangers talking about how this is the new era of kiss. I I don't know how I feel about that. It scares me. So kind of feeds into what we've been hearing over the last couple weeks from Ace Fraley. Of course, the original guitarist for the band, and he, of course, had to jump in and start promoting his new album <laughs> the week before the final Kiss show, trying to piggyback, piggyback off all that yes. promotion, that hype. So we've got the first single, the title track, from Ace Fraley's upcoming new solo album, 10,000 Volts. I liked it. I liked it. it it's I, not great, No, it's, but it's... It's, it's just nice meat and potatoes, straightforward rock and roll. It's comfort rock. Yes. Yes. It's, yes. it's not outstanding. She hit me like 10,000 10, volts. Lyrically, it's oh, what you would expect. It's, it's weak lyrically. It's you would expect chorus, nothing else. Musically, it's solid as hell. Good guitar work. Yep. Yes. Yep. So. I, I will give it three frenzies just because I needed it. I give it a strong two and a half. It was more repetitive than it probably needed to be. True, true. Like you said, it, it is weak lyrically. And but, he, uh, he, yeah, Kiss is generally weak lyrically, but this to me seemed weaker than normal. I just, I, I thought but I needed it's, this. It's, I needed it's this rock after. Yep. Yes. This. Yes. Yes. So I will. I will. I will go a little higher. I will be listening to 10,000 Volts a lot more and looking forward to the album. Yep. Which, yeah, of course, want, we'll probably review. We will. Yep. It's a guarantee, kids. Yep. The latest, <laughs> our weekly, <laughs> our weekly, our review. weekly David Lee Roth release. <laughs> right now, only available, I believe, on YouTube. Yeah. Wash and fold. Well, thank God this was better than High Fashion Girl. Oh, my Girl. God. High Fashion Girl was so bad. Wash and Fold was definitely a step kind up. Kind of some organ in there. A neat little yeah. organ feel to it. It was. It, was, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I did, too. I did, too. <laughs> I really? I kind of I like this one. Yes, this, this combines the best of David Lee Roth, whereas High Fashion Girl last week was the worst. Yes. Yeah. Not really good lyrically, boring musically. Yeah. This, you get this organ intro, this wild organ intro, and it almost sounds lyrically like a commentary on poverty. Yeah. You know, but you've got the little twists. Dave does his little, you know, his, his ironic twists in the lyrics yeah. now and then. I, I give it a strong two and a half frenzy. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Wash, Wash and, and Fold was one of the better ones we've heard. To. From Dave lately. Yes. Along with the shit that killed Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this was a nice bounce back after High Fashion oh, Girl. God. High Fashion Girl should never, ever, ever, no. ever be played again. No, it's just ever. Not, it was not good. I agree. It was not good. But Wash and Fold, definitely much better. Yep. Now, the to me, the best of the songs we had this week 
Hammer and the Nail from Blackberry Smoke. The third single from their upcoming 2024 album, they're getting better. The three, if you look at the three we've reviewed, yeah. they're getting they're better and each better. and every time. Yes. Yeah. I liked Hammer and the Nail a lot. Um, again, I just was so into Ace Fraley just because I needed that. <laughs> I will also give Hammer and the Nail three frenzies. Yep. I'd give it a three. But I, I'm putting 10,000 volts just a little bit ahead of this just because, because I needed, you needed that. needed the rock I after needed, the Peter Gabriel thing. I needed that that Ace Fraley, straight on, Melt. kiss vibe, rock and roll. Needed his gravelly voice, you know, just the, the yeah. straight on. You needed, you needed the ear-tingling yes. guitar work. Yes. Just needed something simple straightforward nasty great rock and roll but but i like blackberry smoke for years now um hammer and the nail is great great very great. very very good song. yes yep and we all feel like the yep. lyrics in yeah. this song we all feel like we are the, the nail the world is the hammer. hammer yep so it's it is perfect Yes. So, see, I told you. I told the you. The albums were not good. The songs were very positive. There is hope on the horizon. Yep. So, yes, Blackberry Smoke, good. Ace Fraley, pretty good. David Lee Roth, good. So, see? See, kids? There's always light. There's some sunshine out there. It's always not always over, doom. Over the horizon, the, the sun is coming up. The sun will come out tomorrow. Next week. We have discovered those Getty Lee songs that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Yep, finally popped. Yeah, the ones he premiered his opening night of his book tour. Yeah. Are finally out now, so we'll have those two Getty Lee songs for you next week, including the very sad song Gone about Neil Peart. Yeah. Um. I believe that one was written about his his daughter. Right. Yeah, right. Neil that Pert's was early. daughter. Right. Yeah. Not Neil, not Neil, but earlier yeah. with the family. And then for the album, I think it's about time we got into some dirty honey. Yes, I think we do. So can't find the breaks will be our featured album review for next week. I have to break protocol. I have to. Um, I cannot wait for the moments of silence for a couple of these because these are two, to me, icons. I know a lot of people would be, what? I, what? I, am, I am talking about me growing up listening to music. And these two meant a lot to me because in the 70s and then into the early 80s, we're talking about two two members of bands that I really respected, loved, and admired. First up, of course, Denny Lane. Denny Lane of Wings. Yep. He was yeah. the third wheel. He was yeah. the, and I'm the third wheel <laughs> all the time. When we go to concerts, it's the Conquistador and Mrs. C, and then the Maestro's the third. I'm like the Denny Lane yeah. of our little concert trio. 
And Denny Lane, of course, was always there with Paul and Linda McCartney. Yeah. Denny kind of helped drive Paul and... Yes. Yeah. And I actually took Wing's Greatest Hits into work today to listen to. And uh, my buddy, Tony, who I work with, it's like... He puts up with me. Let's put it that way. And I told him right away when I put the CD and said, Denny Lane died. He's like, who? <laughs> and I said, Denny Lane was the third member of Wings, technically. Yeah. Is what he was it considered. Went Paul, Linda, Denny, the rest of the band. Right. Right. And so I started to play all the songs. He's like, this, these aren't just Paul McCartney songs? I'm like, no, you don't understand. Paul McCartney only put out a couple solo albums in the early 70s, and then it was Wings from 71 all the way through 1980. Yeah. It was not Paul McCartney. It was Paul McCartney and And Wings. And Wings. And Denny Lane was there from 71 through He was the main wing. With Linda. With Linda, yes. So, very important that we acknowledge, with a little more time here in the rock segment, Yeah, to me at least, the passing of Denny Lane. And something else people do not know about him. Everybody who knows anything about music knows, yes, he was the third wheel and went. Founding member of the Moody Blues. Yes. Yes. Not many people know no. this. No. Founding member of the Moody Blues. They had one big hit with him, Go Now. Top 10 hit in the U.S. in the mid-60s. Then he left, and then Moody, the Moody Blues formed that core that we know from the Knights in White Satin era yep. into the 80s with your wildest dreams. That and whole all that. trilogy yeah. that they had running through. Yeah. But people don't associate Denny Lane normally with the Moody Blues. But he was a founding member. Yep. So thoughts and prayers to his family and friends. And Sir Paul. I was a little shocked at, at McCartney's comments, though. Didn't seem like overly emotional. I, no. A good player with a great sense of humor, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But yeah. he didn't didn't really say a lot in terms of making it sound like they were that close. You know? Yeah, that, that was a little odd. Yeah. All right, so, of course, you sh- you kids should know by now, after a couple of years of Sports Frenzy, that Dave and I are children of the 80s. So, we are experts. I like to think we're experts on 80s music. Hell, I know we're experts on 80, 80s music. So, one of the most underrated bands of the 80s, the leader, the, the songwriter, the main songwriter, the lead singer, of April Wine, Miles ah, Goodwin passed away here this past one week. One of the underrated bands of that time frame. Exactly. Nature of the Beast, such a good album. One of the greatest album covers <laughs> of all time. But Sign of the Gypsy Queen, Just Between You and Me, not to mention other hits they had like uh, Roller, Yep. This could be the right one. I mean, April Wine had some really, really great stuff. Yeah. You they were got airplay and you probably didn't know you were listening to them. Yeah. 
And you still hear them on classic rock radio yeah. to this day with their four or five big really hits. big hits. But uh, yeah, Nature of the Beast especially was one of those albums, kind of like for me with Billy Squire's Don't Say No. Yeah. One, one of those seminal, important, formative albums for my musical taste in the early 80s. And hearing that Miles Goodwin died just mm. kind of hurt me a little bit. Yeah. Kind of hurt that's, me. That's a big one. Yeah. So again, apologies for for my breaking the rules, but thank you for indulging me. No, this needed to be done. It needed a little more yeah. Yeah, discussion because, than what we would normally give. Because again, Wings was very important for me growing up through the late 70s, April 1, early 80s. Um, just needed, you know, just yeah. needed to, just to talk needed about that. that. I needed to Because there's another big one that's going to have a lot of discussion later on. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We're not done yet, unfortunately. Unfortunately. No. But yeah, there there is a major one coming up. Yep. But that will do it for music. Yep. We've told you what what's coming up next week. We told you what to listen to and what to avoid. And a couple weeks from now, not quite ready to commit yet to which specific episode, but within the next three weeks. We're going to start our best best song, best album, best movie, best concerts, concerts, best TV shows. The best of 2023 is coming soon. Yes. So probably... Late December, early January. I would think early January would be more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And we've still got plenty of, of albums we've got to catch yep, up on. We've got so. a few things to get through, so yep. there we go. But next up, a jam-packed second segment. We've got movie reviews for you. We've got book reviews for you. Dave is going to catch up with a movie review of one I discussed Probably about a month ago, I think, when I reviewed it. Was that one you did when I was not? Uh, I might. You that, might have been off. That's you one you did have been when off. I was not here. Yes, we're so. talking about Benicio del Toro in Reptile on Netflix. Yes, I did review yeah. it, but that might have been an off week for you. Yes, that was an off week for me. So. Yes, and I have. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Ah, uh, you Disney Plus subscriber. No, I did not oh. watch it on Disney Plus. I did not. You bought it. I actually canceled my Disney Plus subscription. What? Yes. Look at you. Yes. No, I did buy it, but I had like a crap ton of credits. There you go. So I actually paid $3 to own it. Nice. So... Will I watch it again? Am I happy with my purchase? Stay tuned for segment two and find out. Hey kids, ready for a blast of dairy goodness? Pick up Sports Frenzy 2.0 milk at your local grocery store. Remember, when you drink Sports Frenzy 2.0 milk, you're not only enjoying a healthy treat, you're helping to locate missing sports heroes of the past and present. Our cartons and jugs 
feature pictures of Peng Shui, Ryan Leaf, and Sammy Sosa as we do our part to find the lost icons of the last 30 years. And don't forget our special weekend edition chocolate milk containers available on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts because they featured celebrities like Lindsay Lohan, Helen Hunt, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Pick up a gallon today. All right. We know you're feeling a little bit better. The head's not throbbing as much. The queasy stomach's starting to settle. But here we are, December 9th, 2023, on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple Overcast, CastBox, Amazon, Audible, and iHeart Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition, baby. <coughs> I got to work on that last part. <laughs> Otherwise known as iHeart Radio. He's the maestro, Kevin Crane. And he is a conquistador, Dave Height. Glad, as always, to have you aboard for this Saturday morning extravaganza, your weekend hangover cure. We've talked about a ton of rock and roll. Uh, very, very fun, and in some cases, very sad. Yep. But now, moving on to the movie segment. <sighs> dun, 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 dun. Yes, I know. No time for love, Dr. Jones. I still, I cannot believe there are people out there that do not like the Temple of Doom. That blows my mind. Come on. Temple of Doom was awesome. Still my favorite. Still my favorite. With Short Round. Oh, and absolutely. And the heart getting ripped out. I mean, come on. Chilled the movie The movie that established the PG-13 rating. That's right. Oh, Chilled Monkey Brains. My favorite. Yes. yes. Um, so, I know a lot of you out there have Disney+, Plus, so... Now you have access to the latest Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So let's talk for a minute. Get on the couch. I'm your I'm your counselor. We're going to discuss how Indiana Jones boom, boom boom boom. How Indiana Jones made you feel good and then made you feel bad. Of course, Indiana Jones came roaring out of the gates with Raiders of the Lost Ark. And as I snakes. mentioned, as Dave Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> and again, some people don't like the Temple of Doom, the second movie. I loved it. I thought it was great. See, now I'm one that didn't think the, the Last Crusade was all that good. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> and then, of course, I think we can all agree... Crystal Skull was Sucked terrible. Balls. Yeah, hiding in the fridge during the nuclear blast. God. So now you wonder, number one, why would I subject myself if I hated the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull so much? Now you've got a much older Harrison Ford. It's the iconic Indiana Jones. We grew up with this series. We're going to see it through to the end. It's like John McClane. It's Good for good, for bad, for worse. It's like a marriage. You're going to stick with the character through That's to the bitter right. end. Rambo comes to mind as well. I am pleased to say that despite the negative reviews online, 
Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is a very, very, very good movie. I'm glad to hear I that. I enjoyed it very, very, very much. I, I, I'm trying to push it as much as I can without saying it's a classic. I'm not saying it's up there with the first two. I'm not saying that. I would say it's definitely worlds better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Probably in my eyes right there with The Last Crusade. It's very sentimental at times. Yes, I had a slight tear running down my cheek at the end. But the, James Mangold does a really, really good job with this. Um, kudos to Harrison Ford for maybe possibly putting out his best performance as Indy because he is embracing in ways his age early That's on good. within the first 10 minutes. Don't, don't take this the wrong way, kids, but he's walking around without a shirt on. He is old. He's got that old frail body. He is not toned. He is not Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone. He is an old frail man. So he is showing Indiana Jones to us in his last act. Let's put it yeah. that way. But the story is unbelievably well done. As we're looking for separate pieces of Archimedes. It's, it's got a very complicated Greek name, but the Dial, Dial of, Destiny, of Destiny basically allowing people to travel through time, through time fissures. And of course, the Nazis are involved. I hate Nazis. I will say this. I will say this. The parts where they flash back to the early indie yeah. era, World War II era indie, and they made a big deal about saying, oh, how's this digital, you know, uh, aging or, you know, taking him yeah. back in time? It's unbelievable. They do a beautiful job. Oh my job God, you effects. can't tell. You cannot tell that it's special effects. Nice. I mean, it's flawless. It is beautiful. And the only issues I have is that, again, we're talking about short round, right? We love right. short round. No time for love, Dr. Jones. They try to give you a new young sidekick who's okay. But you're never you're never gonna top short round. No. You're never gonna top no. short round. And then his goddaughter is now taking the place of, of course, his son from the previous movies, Sheila Booth. You know, now it's Phoebe Waller Bridge is the the goddaughter, and they explain how he's got the goddaughter and Toby Jones plays the friend. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff gets a little convoluted at the beginning. But once once they get into the plot, then and once we start moving around and they start showing on the map how uh, they're traveling from here uh, to here and from here to here and traveling all across, you know, Europe and Asia. and When you get into the adventure phase. Yes. And even, again, despite the fact they are very cognizant and aware of the age, so they they're not like throwing him into unre unbelievable ridiculous action sequences. 
much more mentally thought out. More realistic. Again, very, very pleasantly surprised. Than riding out an atomic blast in a refrigerator. Yeah, Jesus God. I still, to this day, one of the worst moments. One of the worst moments it, for it, me. It's in, right up there with the mechanical spider in Wild oh, West. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Jesus. That could be number one. That could be number one. But very, very happy to report that this is not an embarrassment if this is the final Indiana Jones movie, which I believe it, it would it's got to be. To be. Um, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. It's taking a lot for me not to give this three and a half frenzies. I will give it a very, very, very strong three frenzies. All right. The three and a half would be the emotional, nostalgic. There was just too many things earlier in the movie, like I said, that that, that, brought it back. Yes. The last half an hour is phenomenal. I mean, just beautifully done. Perfect ending to, again, if this is the last Indiana Jones movie, I'm fine with it. It ends the way it should. All right. Very so, cool. Yep. Now you are. All right. Now going I after... watched Reptile, a murder mystery with Benicio del Toro, who was, I think, one of the writers and producers f- for it, uh, along with Justin Timberlake and Alicia Silverstone. Alicia yep. Silverstone plays del Toro's police detective's wife, Timberlake's uh, a uh, real estate agent whose fiance he finds murdered in a house that they were showing as a solid alibi. Rolls right on through. So backstory, del Toro's come to this little police station after coming from a big city where he uncovered corruption, but towed the party line. Yeah, I believe he's in Philadelphia. Yeah, out of Philly. Yep. Gee, kind of like uh, Vic and Longmire. <laughs> <laughs> but now this, trying to find the murderer, unwrapping the major conspiracy going through, through his home renovation putting the uh, contractor in his place. It's not fast paced. It's a slow buildup. It feels slow, but it's paced appropriately for the unraveling of everything and how it all comes together. I thought it was very well done. Everybody performed Beautiful. I didn't have an issue with the way any of the characters were portrayed or acted. I got to get this is a solid three and a half. Oh, I I think you're going higher than I did. I really liked Reptile. Yeah. And how it all came together. Yeah. Again, I think this was one that I reviewed on one of the weeks where Dave either he wasn't available or I couldn't tape when dave could yeah something happened in the schedule so i i know i've reviewed this in the past 
but I think I gave it three. Yeah, but no, you, I, I really, this one, I just enjoyed immensely. Yes, I think everything you said is spot on. Um, yeah, there, there, there wasn't a weak link anywhere in the acting or the characters. It was, it was just solid. Yeah, and again, it's our genre. Yeah. Whether you're talking books or movies or TV shows, when you're talking a, a, a conspiracy, detective. a detective murder mystery type movie, we're if, down with it. We're all we're yeah, all in. If on it's that done well, we are going to rave and promote it. Right. And th- this is one you have to see, kids. And the thing about Del Toro is that in a lot of movies. He tends to, I don't know if I'm just focusing on the usual suspects, of course, which was his first, his breakout role. Yeah. And they, you and know. then No Country for Old Men, where he's kind of usually the silent. Well, it, the thing is, he doesn't, he, in this movie, he speaks normally, enunciates normally. Yeah. He doesn't he slur just, or drawl. Right. Exactly. And he just comes off. I mean, he draws your attention. Yeah. He, he I mean, doesn't he come is... off like a, a, he's trying to pull something different. This is a straight on, straightforward, normal role for him yeah. where he can actually say his lines, focus on his acting and, and be the charismatic actor he can actually be Yeah, without any stunts or, you know, the mumbling, the grumbling, the, you the know, the whatever. Accent. Yes. No, this was just straight on. I, I thought this was one of his best performances. Exactly. I agree completely. And, you know, we give Alicia Silverstone a lot of crap. For being for all those Aerosmith videos. The Aerosmith videos. stuff and the things she's done in the past. But she was solid as his I wife. I thought so as well. I, this yeah. is one of the roles that I really appreciated her as an actress. And they had a good dynamic. They did. They, they felt had like a, a real couple yeah. where he could go to her and she would actually engage and listen to him and try to help him. Yeah. No, the, the dynamic between the two was fantastic. Yeah. And then with her uncle being the on the police force that got him in there and yeah, with everything going on, it was... It was really well done. Yes, I agree. And I then agree. the ending coming all together yep. was intense. And again, we're a little biased because of the genre, but uh, kind of glad to hear that Dave was even more enthusiastic about it than yeah. I was. Yeah, this this. But one, we both, both enjoyed it. Yes, very much so. So definitely check out Reptile. Yes. We, uh, years ago, Dave and I, every once in a great while, we will go to a movie together. Just he and I. Now, yep. it's not very often. It used to be maybe a little more often, but now it's maybe every couple years where his wife doesn't want to go or for some strange reason his boys don't want to go. I remember Dave and I going to see Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> and the boys were pissed that they couldn't go with us. <laughs> but uh, we had to. We had to because 
we were such huge fans of the Mad Max trilogy with Mel Gibson. Yep. That when they rebooted it or, or decided to do a new chapter, a prequel with Tom Hardy as Mad Max, we were like, we got we're in. We're George in. Miller's still doing them. We're in. And it was unbelievable. It was phenomenal. It was nominated epic. for an Oscar for Best Picture was how good it was. Yeah. And it was. It was brilliant. But they introduced a new character. George Miller introduced a new character played by Charlize Theron. Furiosa. So now we're doing another prequel to the prequel. Yes. <laughs> a prequel prequel. We have got a trailer out now. Is that prequel prequel or a pre-prequel? <laughs> shut up, Dave. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> Don't confuse the people. They're getting over the, the hangover. <laughs> Furiosa, and I'm glad they they tagged it as a Mad Max saga. Yes, to let everybody know this is it, th part even of though, the world. Yes, yes, Mad Max is not dead. This is just a a story within the Mad Max world. So Furiosa, a Mad Max saga coming out in 2024, as we go back to see the origins of Furiosa. Yes, and, and I've already been told by your nephews that the four of us are going. Oh, they're going to jump in this time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> As after we watch, they go, yeah, we're still pissed we didn't get to go to the theaters with you guys to see Fury Road. Fury Road. Yep. They were just under. and Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yes, and Furiosa looks phenomenal it does it looks really damn good and yet and yet taylor joy takes over as a younger furiosa and chris hemsworth <laughs> with a huge nose <laughs> but he's got you can tell he's got that jokey vibe that you get sometimes from some of these characters in the post-apocalyptic yeah mad max george miller world that, it's, uh, it's the one you expect to have somewhere in there. Yep. So, yes, cannot wait for this. It cannot looks, wait for it this. It looks so good. Yes. And then, for those horror buffs out there, and I'm sure we'll review Thanksgiving when it comes out on streaming, but, again, the bar is low for horror movies when it comes to box office success. Yeah, they've... they've They've missed the mark more times than they've hit it. But Thanksgiving late. is actually making a decent amount of money. Actually, will end up ironically making more money than <laughs> Grindhouse did. <laughs> Whereas where it, it was a fake right. ad or a fake trailer, trailer during during Grindhouse way back in the day. So it's going to end up making more money than that. So they've already greenlit. The sequel coming in 2025, Thanksgiving <laughs> 2. Oh, goodness. But let's go from the low points of pop culture, slasher movies, to literature. Yes, to let's, books. shall we? All right. I have two book reviews for you this week, kids. Yes, I got on a reading kick. So, starting off with The Corsican Shadow, Dirk Pitt Adventure number 27, written by Dirk 
Kessler, Clive's son. They've written the last couple together before Clive's passing. This one, French treasures are lost as they're trying to be evacuated out of France at the onset of World War II as the Nazis invade. Dirk and Al, of course, are doing an ocean survey, trying to find some wrecks, and lo and behold, don't they get sucked in to an adventure where they find a case, couple cases of diamonds that turned out to be industrial, but somehow it leaks out, they're stolen, and the chase is on. So Dirk and Al, of course, now uncover a plot. And of course, Dirk's kids, Dirk and Summer are involved in another piece of it. But there's a plot. Someone is out there destroying freshwater plants and freshwater sources. A company has found subterranean freshwater in the, under the oceans that they want to exploit and make money. So it's up to Pitt and company to save the day yet again. Of course, there's a cool old car involved, which you come to expect. It's adventure comfort. It's a two and a half. I mean, these have never been great. Historical stuff is really cool. Oh, and by the way, one of the French treasures, Napoleon Bonaparte. Where is his body residing? Where do they have to track it down? <laughs> so moving on then to David Baldacci's latest, The Edge. This is the second in the series with Travis Devine. The first one was 620 Man. So Divine, former Army Ranger, tried his hand in the 620 Man as an investor on Wall Street. Things went sideways there, got pulled in to a government investigative agency, kind of blackmailed in for something he'd done, which he took himself out of the Army. But He's had a few missions, and then this one, his, his colonel brings him in because it's personal to his commanding officer. His goddaughter, who worked for the CIA, was found murdered in her hometown. Was it foreign nationals out to get the secrets? Or was it a deep, small-town secret coming to a head? Divine is tapped with that, along with who's trying to kill him from one of his last missions. There's a lot going on in this one. Baldacci does a nice job with the twists and turns leading things through. So I'll give the edge, I'll give it kind of pushing a week three and a half. Wow. Three. Wow. So, Divine is, is, is a character that I've come to enjoy. I, I, it's one of his stronger characters. So I, I like the way this one came together. It's a little hokey here and there, but, but it's a solid, solid entry.
so let me go back to to uh to Dirk Pitt for a second because I'm kind of shocked that there's such a big disparity between these two reviews in terms of two and a half and three and a half. Do you think that the overall series with with Dirk Pitt is just a little too hokey, or is it because now there's, it's not Clive, it's Dirk Kessler writing them? Is there a noticeable drop-off? There's not much of a noticeable drop-off. It's just some of the ancillary characters were kind of eh. And just a couple of little things were not quite as solid as they had been, as you typically would find. I mean, the historical part right, leading up right. was still pretty good, but there were some other pieces that they didn't hit as deep as they probably could have later on. Because that's another one of these series where I read a lot of the early books. I think I ended up stopping right before Dirk jumped on Dirk, as a co-writer. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Yeah. Personally See, curious. Now, originally, Pitt's kids, Dirk and Summer, were supposed to become the main focal point. I think that's where I dropped off. When, when they did that, I was like, oh, boy, but, I can see where this is but going. they have never become the main focal point. Okay. Pitt and Al are still the main. And Dirk and Summer are kind of an ancillary pieces Because I remember I was worried about that. Yeah. I think that was what kind of pushed me away. Yeah, no, they, they have not made... Dirk and Summer, the main focal point. It's still Pitt and Al. Okay. Okay. All right. So for next week, got a couple options. We got a couple options here. We're, we were talking last week about Exorcist Believer. That's still on the table. It's a possibility. And now I don't know if this would count as a movie or this counts as TV and streaming. But we have Mr. Monk's last case debuting Ooh. this weekend on Peacock. We could do both. Could do both. Because one could be TV, one could be movies. I think we could try and do both. I'm fine with that. So one TV. Yeah, I think I've got some time one. coming up in the next few days. <laughs> That's what we call in uh, sports frenzy parlance an insider joke. Yes, yes, it is. Um, yeah, I think I have some extra time I could devote to one or the other. Yep. So we'll try to knock both of those out for you. Again, we'll classify one as TV and streaming, one as movies, so we can fit them both in for you. But we are not done yet. We have one final segment left, and yes. America's favorite game show. <laughs> so we're going to have to get through TV and streaming fairly quickly. Although, as Dave We've got alluded a to, big moment of silence. We're going to have to have a few minutes for that. That's okay. We've got one episode of Fargo to talk about. Yep. And then we can a pretty couple much of move little on. ancillary things, but yep, there we go. Yep. And uh, again, lots of dumbasses to lots, discuss, but lots a big TV legend has left us, so we need to discuss that in a little bit more depth. 
Yes. So, your Uncle Dave and I will be right back for one final 30-minute knockdown, drag-out, blowout way to get you through Saturday and Sunday back to the work week starting Monday morning. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Harrison Ford. And when I'm not listening to Sports Frenzy on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon, and Audible, I'm out promoting my latest movie, even though I'm in my 80s. Right now, I'm working on my next Indiana Jones adventure. Indiana Jones and the Adult Diaper of Danger. So grab your Metamucil, I mean your popcorn, and head out to the movies. Hey, did I hear Short Round won an Oscar? I don't have one of those. Son of a bitch. How did that happen? No time for love, Dr. Jones, my ass. All right, kids, third and final segment here for your Saturday morning hangover cure. Along with your Uncle Dave, I am your Uncle Kev, the maestro and the conquistador here on the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. Oh, yeah, there. We're going to be talking about the latest episode of Fargo, episode number three, there, yeah. I thought that got it got a little weird, especially with the oh, whole God. implications of immortality and whatever the hell's going on with the the uh the killer one of the two killers from yeah the... it got really weird the sin eater yes yes yeah that was a little little over the top yeah. for me yeah episode... i live here mom yeah yeah just Went kind of off the rails a little bit in episode three. Yeah, I want to know how they explain that one since yes. this is supposed to be based on true events. Yes, agree completely. Because this definitely does not seem this like this is does not rooted jibe. in reality at all. No, that 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 We're, part did not jibe with being told true to the story. Yes, completely agree. After a stellar, a stellar first two episodes, episode three kind of really goes off the tangent. And like you said, if this is based on a true story, I need Lucy. I need... Lucy, you got some explaining to do. Exactly. Now that piece aside, it's it's starting to ramp up into an intriguing little little yes. bit. Oh, I agree. But again, I can't put that piece aside. I need an explanation. I, I need to know what the hell's going on there. Yeah. If you course, want to know what we're talking about, you need to watch Fargo. Yes, we're not we are not into spoilers here. We do not spoil. So we talk in terms of vagary. So we'll not let you vagrancy, know. vagary. We will we will let you know our overall impressions. If it sucks, we'll let you know. But otherwise, we're not giving away plot details. We hate, hate it when people spoil movies and TV shows for us. Yep. And and we're counting down. 
not too much longer to season two of Reacher. Yep. And, and, and did you hear? It hasn't even dropped yet, and it's already been renewed for season three. <laughs> yes. Doesn't shock me a bit. Doesn't shock, Doesn't me, shock a me a bit. bit. Yep. No news yet on what season three will entail in terms of what Lee Child storyline. Yeah, which Lee Child book they will adapt. I would assume they're going to do another Lee Child book. I would imagine they would have to. So. And of course, the teaser trailer for The Boys Season 4 is out as well. (laughs) Wow. Just wow. But again, after our discussion last week, I... I, I'm worried they're going to go overexpose. Now, the, the course, hopefully the core series will be fine. Yeah. There, but, there's I mean, rumblings of some things that could potentially go off the rails. Yes. And as much Gen V was good, but again, there's, I, I, I literally thought when I heard the boys Mexico, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a, a God. Don't. Mm. Yeah, I, they're gonna overextend it again. Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. Interesting streaming news in terms of possibly saving money, possibly getting more content. We'll see. But now these companies are starting to hook up together, link together, kind of like what. Mm-hmm. You got with Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus. Now, now word is there are negotiations with Paramount, Paramount Plus, and Apple TV Plus. Oh, Lord. So we'll see. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Letting it wave in the wind. I'm out there and I'm loving it, Jerry. <laughs> Now, this is not a moment of silence. Fly, Dickerous, fly. <laughs> we, of course, <laughs> Dave had mentioned we've got a major moment of silence here in a minute to talk about. But while this is not a moment of silence, it was goddamn near a moment of silence for an actor that uh, we have loved in both Supernatural and Doom Patrol. Of course, we're talking about Mark Shepard who played Crowley in Supernatural this past Friday, not yesterday, but the week before, as you're hearing this, collapsed in his kitchen. Luckily, his wife was there, got him to the hospital. He suffered six heart attacks and literally died four times. Oh, my God. Um. Thankfully survived, so that's why yeah. it's not a moment of silence. But uh, uh, wow, he is—he has always been one of those great character actors. Yep, because he was in Warehouse Thirteen and other things I've seen him in. He's one of those guys that he plays a character you hate but you love at the same time. Yep. Yep, and of course, his co-star on Supernatural, 
uh, Misha Collins responding to him announcing the news on social media had to say, basic, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, you know, God damn it, Mark, do you always have to go bigger and better than everybody else? <laughs> Couldn't you just hit two or three heart attacks? <laughs> and that's the camaraderie yeah. that you got from that show. Yes. Yep. So uh, of course we hope for a speedy recovery for Mark Shepard. Absolutely. Fortunately, no more doom patrol or supernatural, but as you mentioned, he will definitely find work. Now we move on to moments of silence. Uh, I will let Dave take the big one right off the bat here. <sighs> one of the greatest television producers of all time, creator of so many iconic shows, Norman Lear has passed away. 101 God. years yeah. old? Ridiculous. 101 years old. Yeah, brought you all in the family. The Jeffersons. Was it Good Times? Maud. Mm -hmm. I mean. <sighs> now that, again, depending on your age. This was the 70s, baby. Mm -hmm. This is young, young conquistador young young maestro yep. watching these these iconic sitcoms from back in the day he took on social issues that nobody else would have touched yeah racism bigotry he brought it to the forefront and that's the thing that comparing that era to now pisses me off so much is that you've got all these hate mongers out there trying to divide us, trying to, to call everybody a racist or a homophobe or a sexist. And like you said, Norman Lear tackled them all head on. We watched these shows, whether it was the black cast of the Jeffersons in good times or the bigoted Archie Bunker in the, all in the family. I mean, come on. Sammy Davis Jr. kissing Carol O'Connor in that iconic moment on All in the Family. Yeah. And we watched all of it and we didn't try to separate it. No. We didn't, we didn't say it's this look, is different. Everybody from this. is together. You can live together. But in this day it's, and age, you wouldn't believe that. But back yeah. then, when we were growing up, we did. Yeah, it's like. It's a, yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah. We're all struggling to make ends meet like the families in, yeah. in good times. Yeah. Everybody can make that one deal like George Jefferson and bolted himself up. Move Anybody on could. Up to the top. <laughs> but. Yeah, so he, yeah, Norman Lear hit everything on the head in the seventies. Yep. Now, as an aside, I'm not I'm not trying to distract from the sorrow we all feel for losing such an iconic TV creator, but 
he is still scheduled. He'd already recorded this. I did not know that Netflix in the summer of 2024, there is a Good Times animated series. Really? And Norman Lear has already recorded his part for this as a guest star. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. Now, supposedly, it's a different generation. It's not going to be, obviously, <coughs> how many of the cast members right. have passed away. So so is this JJ's family? I do not know. That would make sense. I do not know. You know, maybe Thelma? I Their families Thelma. together? Oh, I like Thelma. So... Yes. You would hope that they would have those two yeah. voicing. I, there's got to be some kind of a You have to have connection. the connection. And JJ's got to be in there somewhere. Jimmy Walker's got to be in there somewhere. It's got to be Grandpa, right? But, I, I mean, again, I saw in his in the story about the announcement of his passing, saw this, that he is still <laughs> going to, his voice will live on <laughs> next summer in this. I'm like. A Good Times animated series. Wow. Wild. Wild, wacky stuff. All right, of course, we lost the first female Supreme Court Justice, Sandra Day O'Connor. Yep. Thoughts and prayers to her family and friends. And in the music world, uh, not necessarily my cup of tea, but... Lead singer for the Pogues, Shane McGowan, passed away. And now, in an in a way, in an ancillary way, this gentleman was in both the the beginning forms of Bachman Turner Overdrive and the Guess Who, Chad Allen, passed yep. away. So not not as direct as we talked about earlier with Denny McLean, with Wings and with Moody Blues, but right. but he played for both. Yes, in their early early, early incarnations. incarnations. Yeah, not um, in, not, not even the when they were popular. called. Not even when they were called BTO or the guests. Right. All right. Enough with this sentimental goop. yes this darkness this bleakness when it comes Pivot. to that one two three four five six seven <laughs> seven <laughs> potential dumbass wow this is this is one of the bigger slates we've had yeah yeah i'll I, we'll see we'll see if i if i go seven for seven we'll see i got a little uh irritated <laughs> and started to write down all these these uh, people who would qualify for potential dumbasses. So let's revisit a dumbass from a few weeks ago, because of course Hollywood pretentiousness breeds dumbassery. Right. We talked about Susan Sarandon and how she got dumped by her talent agency. Because she showed up at the rally and started pro-Palestinian rally, right? Yeah. Talking about now the the Jewish people are going through what the Muslim people went through here in America, you know. And of course, she gets dumped again by her talent agency, as I mentioned. Um, 
well, she issued an apology. Uh, right. And, you know, started to say, I did not mean to, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, try to foster hatred towards the <laughs> Jewish people. Bullshit. Yes, you, you did. You knew what you were doing. I get so tired of this. Own it. Whether it's whether it's good, whether it's bad, own it. Don't try and backtrack. I will own, I've always said this, I will own each and everything I've ever said on this show. The only time I will apologize if, if I was factually incorrect. Yes. If I said something factually incorrect, I will then be more than happy apologize. to Otherwise, my opinions, you like them, you hate them, you kiss my ass. I don't care. I'm not apologizing for how I feel. If I say LeBron James is a dick, then I say LeBron James is a dick. And I'm not apologizing for it. And if Susan Sarandon hates Jewish people, own it. Yeah. That's Be a all Nazi. you have to do. Be a Nazi, Susan. If that's what you are, that's what you are. Hail, Su Hail Tim Robbins. Hail <laughs> Susan Sarandon. But own it. Own it. Don't pull this bullshit where you lose your talent agency and go, I, get a oh, I guess I made a mistake. Well, you shouldn't have opened your fucking mouth to begin with then if you're not going to own it. Exactly. Dumbass number one. I love this one. This one, I think I win on this one. British, former British morning show host, Fiona Phillips. Okay. Yes, kids, we're going across the pond. Yes, because it seems like there's a lot of dumbassery going on in the UK. Came out this past week. Now, I'm not, I am not diminishing or making fun in any way, shape, or form of dementia or Alzheimer's. Okay, let me put that out there right now. But this is a perfect example of people who are diminishing it by saying what they say when they have it. Bear with me here. British morning talk show host Fiona Phillips has been diagnosed with early onset dementia. She says she thinks she got it because she had to get up so early in the morning for 11 years to host her morning talk show. Oh my God, that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. So, do you understand where I was going now? Yeah. That is the biggest dumbass comment. Getting you up at three in the morning for 11 years. You do not get dementia years. for getting up early. Oh yeah. my God. She was basically saying, I had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning so for she's 11 setting, years. She's setting up herself for a class action lawsuit against the show, claiming that getting up early caused her dementia. Bullshit. Dumbass. Idiot. Yeah. I, I read that and I was like, see, this is the problem with society. Everybody's got an excuse for everything. Even a serious medical condition. Oh, my God. Like dementia. It just occurs. Yes, there are some things that can trigger it. Head injuries. Possibly 
Probably hereditary. Could be hereditary. Could be medication. You just don't know. But it's not from getting up fucking early. Yeah, she's setting up a lawsuit for all the uh, the third shift workers out there and God. across the globe, too. So damn dumb. Oh, I got another one for you. This is easy. Sorry. Couple, couple, couple of softballs. Yeah, a couple of softballs for you. You know how much we were looking forward to the release of the Marvels. Who was? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously not many because it's becoming the by far biggest disaster of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Could could, could this be the Ishtar of this generation? <laughs> Well, Dave, Disney's <clears throat> Bob Iger has come out and said that the Marvels is suffering from historically bad superhero box office because of two reasons. Lack of oversight. <laughs> God By damn Iger. God damn you're somebody smart. Of <laughs> God damn you're smart. Literally almost got it to, to word word for word. Yeah, lack of oversight by lack, myself. Lack of onset other. supervision was one of them. Yeah. Lack of onset supervision and because it filmed during the pandemic. Yeah. Such a dumbass. No, you morons greenlit this stupid ass project. And you marketed it as we've talked about, as some kind of weird Freaky Friday thing. Yeah, you tried to pull the Disney Freaky Friday vibe combined with your new politically correct Marvel's bullshit, and you failed epically. It doesn't even look like this movie will make $100 million at the box office. Not domestically, no. No, not domestically. You're they're, right. They've pulled it from the box office. Already, they've officially pulled it because it wasn't making. Yeah, nobody was showing up to see it. Yeah, Iger, you dumbass. All right, now this to me is manipulative. Maybe you won't agree. Maybe this could be the first one where you say he's not a dumbass. But again, this kind of goes back to the whole British talk show host blaming getting up early in the morning <laughs> jonathan majors we've talked about of course was supposed to be and ties into the marvel thing jonathan majors is supposed to be kang right you know and he's supposed to be the centerpiece the centerpiece villain for the next run of marvel movies the next avengers movie which i think will come out in 2072 the way the, things are going yeah. the kang dynasty he is kang Right. And, but, of course, he has been involved in a domestic violence trial. Yep. Well, the trial has started. And by all accounts, eyewitnesses who are, have been in the courtroom as the victim is testifying, alleged victim, I should say, I yeah. guess, is testifying, Jonathan Majors is clutching a Bible <sighs> as the woman describes how he terrorized her. 
<clears throat> I'm sorry. Stop am, with uh, the props. That's what I I think as well. Don't, I'm all for no. freedom of religion, but when you're unless, in a court of law, there's a different set of rules. Unless you, you unless that is who you are, unless you have that with you all the time, you do not bring props. Does he always carry a Bible with him? Are there photos of him with one? Yeah, I agree completely. It, it seems like it's a prop. It's a prop. It's it's a defense attorney Yeah, trying to make his client look good. Yeah. It's like somebody it's who a, was in a car accident who barely got hurt coming in with the neck brace. Right, out of the Brady Punch. Yeah. <laughs> But seriously, but isn't see, that what yeah. it seems like? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's Oh, it's now all of a sudden a I'm look. a devout religious man with a I have to bring my Bible into the courtroom. Yeah. And Are hold you, it close to me. Do we see you with the Bible reading the Bible between takes on set? Right. Right. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay, next up, you know how much I love Jane Fonda. You know, Jane Fonda's 85 years old. And despite the fact she's kept herself in shape, famously. Yeah. Still looks 85 to a certain extent. Well, Jane Fonda, of course, has always been kind of a hypocrite, too. Yeah, a major hypocrite. In a, in a recent interview, Jane Fonda said, I really think I could only take a lover if he was 20 years old. <laughs> because I don't really want to be with somebody who looks like me in terms of like the skin and the, the sagging and the, you know, all that, that old stuff. <sighs> you hypocritical bitch. But yet I guarantee she's probably the first one to jump on like Al Pacino for Who's... marrying somebody 40 years, 50 years younger than him. Yeah. Having kids with, with her. Yeah. Uh, All right. Personally, for me, I find this guy to be probably the biggest dumbass of the week. Do we know who he is? No. Sir Robin Millar. Now, uh, supposedly he's a big deal over in the UK. He has produced 44 number one songs in Britain. Okay. Good for him. In a recent interview... He is calling for, you'll love this. You know I hate this. And I you, I think you'll still hate him, despite the fact you'll know why I hate him more. He thinks there should be no more production of CDs, vinyl records, or rock tours because of the impact on the environment. What a dumb fuck. He says rock stars are hypocrites when they sit there and they talk about caring about climate change and the environment, yet They're they want CDs. Well, and they put out all these different CDs, these different versions of the vinyl issues of their albums. And then, of course, with the tours, yes, flying all over the place. Tour buses, Even with the tour the semis, buses. Yes, the... yes. 
digital music is so much cleaner and better quality. And of course, if you want to watch a, a tour or a concert, just watch it streaming over your TV. Screw you, you dumbass. There is nothing better than live music. This is what I call a fun suck. Yeah. He is a fun suck. He doesn't want anybody to have any fun in life. He is what's wrong with the environmental oh, just hippie sit in your doofuses. Homes and don't go anywhere. No, and just sit out on the front porch and enjoy the sunshine and the flowers. And and yeah, nothing else. Nothing that's that's your life. Yeah. To live like a European. Live like you live in France or in Spain and you you don't have any TVs or anything fun in your life. Just fuck garden. you. Why don't you come over, Sir Robin, and look at my thousands of CDs and my thousands of movies and kiss my ass? How about that? I love each and every one of them and I hate you. But not you, our loyal listeners. No, no, I hate Sir Robin Millar. Finally. Sticking with music. I hate Billboard. I we've used to talked, love Billboard. We've talked I used to our, love Billboard. We talked about our hatred and the downfall. I used to love Billboard, though, when I was growing up and I listened to Casey Kasem's American Top 40. I loved it. It was, And it made sense. Yeah. For the most part, the songs that were number one made sense. Even if I I understood why You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone, even though it makes my eardrums bleed, was the number one song. Because everybody else was stupid, and I was the only sane one who realized it was the worst song of all time. It's awful, horrible. But, Do not look it up. But I digress. To a point. Do you know what the number one song on the Hot 100 in Billboard is this week, Dave? I have no idea. Is it still the Kelsey Brothers? No, that was bullshit? the rock chart. Oh, that's that this is the big week's. one. This is the big Hot 100, the where Taylor Swift reigns supreme normally, and you oh, know Beyonce, seventy-eight-year-old Brenda Lee, rocking around the Christmas tree. Oh, for the love of how God. the fuck is that the number one song in the country? How the fuck? Is that the number one because song in the country? It gets so much damn airplay. Oh bullshit! At the Christmas oh bullshit! Time. For once, I would say, why isn't Taylor Swift number one? For once, an old song can. Oh my God! She was like sixteen when she recorded that. Yeah, it's a perennial favorite. Bullshit! We'll talk to you next week, kids. Say goodbye, Dave. Goodbye, Dave. Bumba-dee-da, bumba-dee-da, bumba-dee-da. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who? cares about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy trails to you until we 